there, I'm Andrea Koppel, and it's time for Coffee, the podcast where you get to hear firsthand what the jobs and careers that interest you the most are really like. Hey there, Java junkies. Welcome to another K-Cup mini episode of Time for Coffee. By the way, K-Cups come in three sizes, single, double, and triple shots, or roughly one minute, five minutes, or 10 minutes in length. So if you don't have time to throw back an entire caffeinated career conversation, these K-Cup mini episodes of T4C can give you a quick caffeinated fix, whether you're on the go or you only have a few minutes to binge. So grab your mug and take a chug, because it's time for a caffeinated career double shot K-Cup with my guest, Rachel Sider. One of the things that you mentioned, Rachel, among the tactics that are often employed in coalition-based advocacy, or for that matter, with an individual organization's advocacy, is producing, compiling evidence, a report. I have the advantage of seeing your CV, your resume here, and you have at least half a dozen different publications that you have either co-authored or authored yourself. The most recent one that's listed here relates to Syria, specifically Syrians fleeing Turkey's military operations. It's entitled Desperate Measures. What was involved in producing that? So this was a joint initiative by NRC's Syria and Iraq teams and was something that we pulled together rather quickly in response to the rather sudden and completely unexpected Turkish military incursion in the northeast of Syria. And what it required was identifying and locating families that had been displaced by the military offensive in northeast Syria who remained displaced in the northeast in in informal tented settlements and collective shelters and interviewing them to compile a series of case studies. That was a small component of the research, but the majority of the research was actually conducted in refugee camps that were hosting new arrivals from Syria in northern Iraq. We did a survey of over 200 new arrivals and over a dozen case studies looking more into the family dynamics and the displacement journey of some of those households. So the first thing that it required was a really clear research methodology, a survey that was developed with our monitoring and evaluation teams, but it also required access to the populations that were affected by the military operation. So we had to be able to reach people who were affected either by phone or in person in these camps to be able to hear from them directly. It also required that we then have clarity about why we wanted to understand the impact of the Turkish military operation in the first place. And when we initially did the research, we really were trying to understand the immediate effects that this had caused people when it came to having to cross the border through informal channels. So how did this impact upon the assets that they have available to them, their ability to reach safety, having to rely so much on smuggling routes? But then we also wanted to understand the longer term impact impact of having to flee the country, feeling tremendously uncertain about what may happen next. And so we had to have that clarity about, you know, 
why we wanted to study this and what it may affect down the road. And what we really wanted to be able to influence was both the exit policies and procedures of the self-administration, which is the entity that oversees and administrates parts of Northeast Syria, but also to engage with Turkey on some of its practices in that part of the country and to ensure that those who had fled to Iraq still had prospects for returning if they wished to do so down the road. The third thing that it really required was the ability to write super quickly and to produce a paper that was timely. So we wanted to get the paper out as soon after the military incursion as possible. You know, this had really stirred up a lot of interest and intrigue among both donor governments and diplomats, as well as the media. And we wanted to seize upon that interest as much as we could to make sure that our messages were received and that the personal experiences of people were uh, captured and included in that debate. And then I would say the last thing that it required was a commitment to making this information public and to managing the risks that come with producing a report that could have certain backlash, whether that's by Turkey because they felt offended by certain elements of the report or because it's shown the spotlight on some sensitive issues that may not be received well by certain authorities or by governments. So we had to really manage those risks, but we wanted to make the report public and we wanted to make sure that it was accessible and available to the media to be able to continue the discussions on this topic. So That led to a report that was published in the middle of December, which wasn't ideal timing when it comes to its proximity to Christmas, but it's given us a foundation that we can now work on in terms of more private advocacy down the road. Great. So how quickly did you have to turn that paper around, Rachel? We started the research at the end of November, and we had the report out by the 13th or 12th of December. So within three weeks, we had done all of the field research, written the report, had it styled, formatted, copy edited, and published. So were you working around the clock? We were working pretty hectically. I even flew to Iraq just to be in closer proximity to the work as it was playing out and really tried to get it out the door as quickly as possible. We also had simultaneous to the research that was being done, we had some media and communications colleagues that were gathering photos and video content and interviewing families to be able to make sure that the visual elements that would accompany the report were also done in time. And they were definitely working around the clock to edit and prepare everything for the final public launch. Well, I'm going to include a link to Desperate Measures so that if our listeners are curious to see what that final product looked like, I'm actually looking at it on my phone right now. They'll have the advantage of being able to do that. Thanks for tuning in to this K-Cup mini episode of Time for Coffee. If you want to listen to our entire caffeinated career conversation, please check out the show notes for this episode. Thanks so much for listening to Time for Coffee, where the professionals in the jobs that most interest you always have time to grab coffee 24-7, no matter where you live. I have one quick favor to ask you. Remember to rate, review, and subscribe to Time for Coffee. Thanks so much.